Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. Let me tell you briefly what you can expect from this episode. So in this one, I'm talking to a fellow English teacher from England. His name is Andy Cook, and uh, we've never actually met before. This is the first time we're talking to each other, but we thought we'd do this episode because we have a few things in common. Obviously, as I've said, Andy is an English teacher. He's lived abroad in various places. And unlike me, Andy is a big uh, Instagram English teacher. Now, I do have an Instagram account, but I've n- I never, ever use it. Some of you are like, why not, Luke? Why don't you go on Instagram? As I've said before, if there was a 25th hour in the day, then maybe I'd be doing that. Or maybe I'd just sleep extra. I don't know. But anyway, so um, I'm not really on Instagram, but Andy is a big success on Instagram. He's got um, over a million followers. Some of his content has had millions and millions of views. So I'm curious to ask him about that, about the kind of uh, process and experience of being an English teacher for Instagram. And he is also on YouTube and TikTok and other platforms too. But I think Instagram is maybe where he is most successful. So that's that's pretty much it. We're going to kind of have a rambling conversation about this and that. Um, I hope you enjoy it. And I will speak to you Again, if you're listening to the audio version of this, I'll speak to you again briefly at the end of this conversation. But for video viewers, you don't get that extra special rambling content that you find at the end of my audio episodes. That's just for the audio. But for the video, when the conversation finishes, that's it. All right. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. So let's get started right now. Andy, hello. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast. Hey, Luke. How's it going? Not bad, thanks. Not bad at all. This is the first time we've ever spoken to each other. It is. It is. It's a pleasure already. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to talk to you. So I was just sort of thinking about this conversation and the things that we can talk about. And, um, you know, we've got a few things in common and stuff. And also it's a chance just to get to know someone and to let the listeners to, you know, hear hear me getting to know someone and all that stuff. Um, So actually, first of all, where are you from, Andy? I'm actually from a small island in the south of England called the Isle of Wight. Um, It's it's famous for a lot of things, actually. Actually, I made a list of uh, things it's famous for because... I've been reading a book recently and they say it's a great technique if you have like some information about where you're from. Mm. Uh, mm. So it, it's got a famous music festival. I, I believe it was Jimi Hendrix's last uh, festival appearance in the UK there. Uh, it's famous for dinosaurs. Like we have lots of fossils. It's part of the Jurassic Coast. Mm-hmm. Mm, Charles Dickens loved it. Uh, yeah. So he, he wrote some of David Copperfield there. And there's also a famous boat race. Um, so it's called 
round the island boat race. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm not on the sailing circuit myself, but I think by, uh, if you were, you would know about it. It's a famous, famous race. Okay. A nice spot there on the south coast of England. (laughs) It is a very nice spot. Lots of sun. Um, Touristy in the summer, but I like that. I like it. Lots of tourists come from all over the world. There's a bit of a buzz. You go down the seafront and it's a nice atmosphere where everybody's just having a good time. Mm. Very nice. I've never been there myself. Have you been to the Isle of Man? No, never been to the Isle of Man either. I think (laughs) if it was a choice between the two, I'd go for the Isle of Wight first because it's more of a holiday destination. Whereas the Isle of Man is kind of like this sort of weird spot between England and Ireland and the weather probably isn't so great and uh, there's lots of weird cats that have no tails that live on the island. <laughs> I've never heard about this. No, Manx cats, no? Uh, yeah. But yeah. they're very they're very similar. Like yes. just when I was on the Isle of Man, I went to the Isle of Man once and I was just like this is basically the same as the Isle of Wight but everything just is different positions and stuff. Everything's um, just in different places. It's exactly the yeah. same. They've just moved everything around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Does it? Is it? Is there a sense that since you're from the Isle of Wight, which is an island off an island, does it? Do you? Does it feel different to the rest of the country? Mm. It's funny because when I went to university, people were like, "Oh, do you have to have a passport to leave the island, or have you got electricity there?" <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Um, like the UK just there is some element of it which is slightly behind um not so much now but it, people always say like oh the island's 10 years behind the rest of the UK like we don't have uber taxis here uh but we do have uber eats so obviously i think the the taxi drivers have stopped that happening for one reason or the other mm-hmm. um you're still in the EU <laughs> <laughs> if only <laughs> I had to think for a second then I was like oh, yeah. <laughs> well you're 10 years behind so you know yeah. you're still in the Marvel fa- you're still in phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe you're still in in the EU no Uber yet ah oh, the good old days Covid yeah so yeah <laughs> mm, mm. no Covid of course beware get ready yeah, for that it's one it's coming yeah yeah <laughs> you are a TEFL teacher like me I've been uh, teaching for, well, since 2019, so about four years now. Um, okay. I did my did my TEFL, and then I did, recently I did a um, Salta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you've got Delta, haven't you, I saw? I do, yeah. Yeah. So I did. I, I plan to do that. Sorry, Tom. You do, do you? Okay, yeah. So yeah. I did my Salta, e- 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 like, eons ago in 2001 and then i did my delta in 2006 which is also a long time ago now uh, so i'd been i'd been celta qualified for five years before i did my delta so you did your celta you're thinking about the, doing the delta how was how was it how was the celta for you by the way listeners the celta that's the certificate in english language teaching to adults is a cambridge certificate it's the sort of like the the, the sort of usually the first qualification you get to be a tefl teacher there are other ones but the celta in the UK is one of the most sort of officially recognised um, qualifications for teaching English to adults. So how did you find the the CELTA? It's very, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot of stuff. 
it's interesting because I'd been teaching for about two or three years before I did it. Um, mm. So it was great. I had a lot of knowledge and experience there. And then the CELTA gave me some extra bits. Just the main takeaways, I think, were giving the students as much talking time as possible. So not talking too much as a teacher. That was good. Um, CCQs, is it? Uh, mm-hmm. Concept checking questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that I had never used before. So that was good. What are um, concept checking questions? They are questions where you can make sure that the, the student understands the vocabulary um, and the concept of the vocabulary, but you you elicit it from them. So you you don't tell them specifically, but you, you let them come to the answer themselves, basically. Yeah. After you've after you've taught a certain thing or practiced a certain thing, you can kind of just make sure they've got it all at the end of the lesson by asking certain questions that will reveal whether they actually have uh, whether they understood it or they've completely misunderstood everything that you've been doing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which doesn't usually happen, but sometimes sometimes it does. Um, yeah. Okay, Delta. Then, eh? Are you ready? You ready for the big I'm... big daddy Delta? <laughs> I, I, honestly, I because uh, because it was only recently I did the South, so I haven't really researched much about it. Is it degree level? It's like master's level. It's master's, master's level. degree. It's a higher diploma, which is equivalent to um, uh, a master's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I will serious. It's serious, man. How, how was it for you? Just just quickly, I know you're here horrible. To me. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I did it sort of, I, I think I did it intensively or semi-intensively, but I kept working, you know, I was working at the same time as doing the, 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 the diploma. I think I did it in about four months, four or five months. I can't remember three, four, five months, something like that. And uh, basically on day one, they kind of tell you what you can expect. And they say, look, um, you, you're not going to be able to do anything else except this and the delta, uh, the delta and your work between now and the end of the course. Just so you can know, you sleep? Uh, you, well, yeah, you can sleep and breathe and eat and and urinate, and defecate. You know the usual things that you need to do. Uh, the essentials, you know, the the toilet um, based essentials um, and kitchen based. Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, they said, look, you're going to have to just cancel everything. Um, wow. And they were right. You know, uh, yeah. there's a point around about Easter when it really came to a head and you kind of, you've got several projects, several things to do. You've got an, uh, an externally assessed, ob- observed lesson. And then you've got the exams coming up at the end. You've got like, there's so much stuff. It's a real trial. It's, it's, it's horrible. Um, having said that, when I finished... I found that it had switched something on. It flicked a couple of switches in my head as a teacher, and suddenly I kind of got all this inspiration. So one of the things that you have to do is, uh, in the exam, they give you a piece of material. So there's two things, that, that it, well, several things in the exam. One is that they give you uh, a page from a textbook, and you've got to kind of analyse it and explain, you know, all the linguistic background and the the the, the teaching approach, and then you get a, you, you create a sample class and you create a lesson plan for how you'd use that material and all that. And they also give you a piece of authentic material, like um, I got a mobile phone advert, okay, mm. 
And they said, okay. And so the task is, how would you adapt this and use it in a lesson? You've got to create a profile of a set of students, and then you've got to um, create a detailed lesson plan explaining how exactly you would use that piece of material. So having to prepare for that exam meant that I did that over and over and over again. And the, the instructors on the course gave us bits and pieces and we just sort of had to turn them into lessons. And I found the summer after I did the Delta, I couldn't get that out of my head. And every single thing that I looked at, I would turn it into an English lesson. So I was kind of like, you know, just reading the newspaper and I'd find something and like, oh, that's perfect. And I'd like keep it and then turn it into a lesson. And, you know, like my friends like showing me their holiday photos. And I'm like, oh, that could be a good English lesson. <laughs> so it did help. Yeah. Yeah, but it's quite tough. Did you find the CELTA to be difficult or not? Um, w without sounding like, I don't know, big-headed big or something here, mm -hmm. not, not, partic not particularly. Um, I think it was great that I had been teaching for a few years. Um, that was really good. Um, the, I guess the only difficult part were the lesson plans they're very intensive on the lesson plans and i mean there's a, there's a difference between reality and, and and working as an english teacher and what you do on the course but not, not to say that it's they're not beneficial for each other because they definitely are mm. um but the, the lesson plans were were very very uh intensive and um covered everything so you have to write the lesson plan as if you are writing it you're going to be sick and someone's going to cover you um, but I think in reality, if you had to write 30 of those lesson plans a week, you wouldn't ever have time to do anything, but they're preparing you for the worst situation or the, the most intense situation. So, mm, mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I also did it online. Did you do yours in, in class? Yeah. In, in person. Yeah. In person. Yeah. 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 Online. I mean, since, um, since COVID, everything I do is online now. Mm. Um, I don't go to teach in the classrooms. I don't, um, but I like it. I like it. Um, there will be a point where I go back and do some face-to-face -face teaching for sure. Um, just to get that human interaction. I'd like to do big groups or maybe some sort of, uh, conference or talk. Um, but yeah, it's all online. So that, that was quite interesting doing a course online for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've done some online teaching, but yeah, the vast majority of my experience has been in groups in front of people. It's brilliant. I love doing that. I love yeah, you like large, it. Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, I like all of it. I like small uh, groups. I mean, in terms of the teaching, it's kind of easier to have a smaller group. Uh, and so I prefer that. But then when there is a large room full of students, it's sudden, it can make the um, energy level much greater. You know, it can sort of... Um, bring a new buzz, a new dynamic to the to the room. And when you get a good group of people, it can be really great. Um, yeah. What's the, what's the biggest amount of, what's the biggest class you've taught to? Um, so I used to teach at a university here in Paris and we had classes of about 30 students. Wow. So that's too much. That's a bit too much. I mean, when it gets to that number, it gets difficult to actually um, manage the class because, you know, as you know, uh, we don't just have one teacher at the front and then all the students sitting facing the teacher and taking notes while the teacher talks. You know, it's not that kind of setup. Although the university system does kind of set things up like that. But for a good language class, you want a much more decentralised sort of classroom. 
And that's much harder when I had 30 students and they were all sort of 18, 19 year old Parisian um, uh, kids who weren't used to, who were used to the old fashioned uh, education system. And so I would try to put them into groups and I'd be trying to do these things and they were just like, huh? And they would speak French to each other all the time. That was difficult. So when you get to a certain number of, yeah, yeah. When you get to a certain um, class size, it naturally lends itself to the sort of lecture kind of situation, which can be good. You know, it, 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 you can do little bits of stand-up in between doing the actual teaching stuff, um, which is quite a good way of managing a room full of people like that. So these days then, you, you also make videos on Instagram. And you've got a massive following, right? How many how many followers do you have on Instagram at the moment? It's 1.2 million at the moment. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I last... So I was making just music and posting it on Instagram. So you, you, uh, you're, you're a musician as well. I'll ask you about that too, because you said you worked in the music industry, but I think you've played in bands and stuff too, right? Yeah. Yes. So I'll ask you about that after, I would say. But anyway, so Instagram, okay. you you were you were putting music on Instagram before, yeah? Yeah. So I was putting music on, just generally making like thirty second clips to videos, and I mean, now I look back on it, it was kind of just for for me, and like, I mean, at the time, I didn't just think it was for me. I was like, oh, why aren't more people listening to this? But then. As soon as I switched to teaching English and giving people actually something that they need and they're going to use, it just changed. So I just started making videos last July, I think, when I lived in Turkey, maybe a bit before that. And it, when I was in Turkey, one video went viral. And it went viral in the Middle East, so in Iran. And other place in Saudi Arabia went viral, and that just kind of started everything. So after that, I I just keep making videos and videos, and it wasn't until January this year that we got over a million. So things actually, I didn't kind of notice it, but things snowballed really quickly. Actually, yeah. Which, which yeah. Uh, what content of yours on Instagram is the most successful? <laughs> My most successful, yeah, the most pretty- popular stuff that you do. It does vary. So my most successful one is just when I say, what's this? And I'll be like, just for example, what's this? It's a telephone. Um, and that's it. And it's just <laughs> four or five things. That's, that was the first video that went viral. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other ones like processes are really good. So I did a video, I think it's got 8 million now, where, wow. yeah, I know, I was shocked by Oof. that, where I just I just come through the door. So I'm like, I do it. I'm coming through the door. I'm hanging my coat up. Uh, I'm walking down the corridor. I'm making a cup of tea. And that people really like. Yeah. Um, my favorite videos to make, but I'd actually say they're the least popular, are idioms and like ones that have got a bit of humor in it. Um, so there'd be like certain jokes in it. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Oh, there's one that's like, it's about, you know, we say, what's up? Mm. Uh, like so a character comes into the kitchen they're like oh what's up and the other person doesn't get it and they're like uh the sky or airplanes or birds <laughs> yeah. yeah and then they're, and they're like oh. so yeah those are the ones that i like but the idiom one the idioms ones are the least popular maybe they're a bit too cryptic or a bit too advanced i don't know mm. it's 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 like totally different to making the kind of content that i make so y- yours is literally like what's this it's a cricket ball you know what's this <laughs> 
it's a pen you know like so so simple but so great you know obviously for just you know for vocab and pronunciation but yeah totally the totally the opposite to to the sort of thing i'm doing where i'm presenting these long-winded conversations why instagram then is that just because you were already on the platform well i actually every time i make a video i upload it to instagram tiktok and youtube Mm. just because Mm. it's so easy to do now they all have their like youtube has uh Shorts TikTok is just TikTok and Instagram has reels, so I just but um, it just took off most on Instagram, which is interesting because before that it was taking off most on TikTok. When I started doing the English videos, I think I had about 80,000 on TikTok, and at that point, I only had about 2,000 followers on uh, Instagram, and then it, just Instagram overtook it completely. Mm. Um, and TikTok is I think the way TikTok works is it knows which SIM card you've got in your phone. What? So at the moment, it knows that I'm in the UK, and I think it's more difficult for my videos to reach. Uh, Well, I might be wrong here, actually. Maybe it's just people aren't liking it, but I'm pretty sure it's more difficult for my TikTok videos now I'm back in the UK. Really? It's all very mysterious, all the different uh, things involved. Um, Well... hmm. All I was going to say is just the way, from what I've read, is I think it works like it will push my video or a video to like 100 people. And then it, and then a percentage of that people like it and it will push it to a bigger pool of people. So if you think like when I'm making videos in Turkey or Bulgaria, it's just pushing it to people whose native language isn't English. Whereas here it's pushing it to people whose native language is English. And in there, there will be a couple of like people who are learning English. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's the problem, really. I see. Um, so a million uh, followers on Instagram, and some of those videos have had about eight million or something. Do, does it feel like? Um, do you know? Do you feel that that's had an impact on you in any way? I mean, do you mm. actually do you actually notice in any sort of uh, tangible way uh, that um, you know you're kind of well known? In a sense, um, so hmm, that's a very difficult question. I think so. I get a lot of messages, a lot of messages. People like, "Oh, thank you so much. You're really helping me." Like, could you? Loads of people ask me, like, "Could you just tell me the difference between like something and anything?" And mm-hmm. I, I just like, okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> but I, I really like that because basically, my goal, like I said, is to teach as many people as possible. I, I read a great book about, I, I just went through a point in my life where I load, read a load of good books. And one of the common themes was that like just giving value to as many people as possible. Like you think about your, I'm sure you know this, like your podcast, people can listen to it whenever they want, wherever they want. Compare that to like a radio show that only airs once or something. Mm. Like, so that's, that's what I really like is these platforms give me the ability to just teach instead of just one person for an hour in a classroom, it's just like a hundred thousand people in a second or something. Mm. So that's, that's what's good. And I, for me personally, and I'm sure it's the same for a lot of people that that's might give me some sort of purpose in life is to teach people. And I, I think we won the golden ticket by being born in a native English speaking country. Yeah. So, we're, we're quite lucky, aren't we? Very lucky. So I just like being able to help people who didn't get that, basically. 
That's mm. it. Uh, to, to be honest, I'm not sure that really answered your question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I get a lot of messages. Yes, it's definitely helped me. I feel like more confident in front of the camera now. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm not famous in the sense that you know, like what we're talking about there, but a lot of people know the page who are learning English, and that's the main thing that yeah. I really care about. To be honest, so, that's yeah. nice. Um, do you feel it's different teaching classes or teaching one-to-one compared to making content for the internet? What are, what yeah, are, what's, di- what's different? What's different about that? Mm, so teaching classes, there's, there's kind of a back and forth there. Uh, I mean, there is some level of back and forth. I make a video, people comment, I respond to the, I respond to the comment, but it's just, different i think you know these are like 10 second videos whereas a lesson is you know usually an hour could be 45 minutes could be an hour and a half 50 minutes those are the differences um obviously lessons are a bit more focused on grammar i'd say most of the stuff that i see or that i do on the social media platforms is vocabulary based yeah, I, I I have done a I did I have done a couple of grammar videos actually. Like I did one for present perfect with just so that I come through the door. I've got my shopping bags and I'm like I've just been to the shop, or like I've just made a cup of tea. So there, but I find vocabulary is what people are ingesting or digesting. Yeah, yeah. In both ingesting, digesting, and digesting. Yes, because you ingest it means you eat it, right? And then you digest it <laughs> means that you you actually you know your your stomach does its job. Uh, and we won't talk about the third stage um, yeah. in that pro- in that particular process. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> how do you feel about Instagram as a platform uh, in terms of mental health? Because you know, I read uh, I read a report saying that um, you know, talking about the um, impact of uh, social media on people's mental health, and Instagram came out as the worst one. Do you find that? Do you find that, or do you think that's only for certain sort of users, or you know, people who use it in a certain way? Do you find it to be a healthy space? So, um, so I, I have never received any. Some people have said some bad things. Mm-hmm. So yes, I mean I, I I haven't really researched much of this. I know, yeah, there can be bullying on there. Obviously, that's not a good thing. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's a part where I I don't like to spend too much time on social media. I post, I I don't really watch other people's things. Um, I. Yeah, I don't want. I, it's a balance, I think. So I think there's two sides to it, like the the bullying question and the mental health question. I'm not, I'm not sure. I re- I really can answer because I, I haven't studied it. I'm not an expert. Yeah. Um. I'd need to speak to some people that have actually been on the receiving end of that. Um, I, I th- what I was thinking of is rather than the kind of uh, bullying or abusive comments and things, it's just simply. It's probably not in the way that you're using it. Probably doesn't involve this kind of thing, but in terms of like that, that kind of content that involves a lot of fitness or body uh, image issues or lifestyle things where you can go onto it and you can get the impression that everyone else is having a fantastic time, being very happy, being very successful and very attractive and living these kinds of lives. 
But what you don't see is that those people are taking out a tiny, tiny little moment in their day, which they've spent probably the entire day trying to set up. So it's very unrealistic. The the version of the world that you get through Instagram can be very unrealistic. And it can also um, manipulate your um, your insecurities and your desire to improve yourself and so on and manipulate your your um, attention. And all of those things can be detrimental to, to your mental health where you feel compelled to go on there. And when you are on there, like your levels of dopamine are being played with while simultaneously uh, you're being presented with lifestyle images which are unrealistic and unattainable but presented as if they are totally normal and everyday because it's you know user generated content and that kind of environment i think is probably the unhealthy one whereas what you're doing with it is probably a lot more um, wholesome in the sense that you're using it as a way to help people with their english rather than you know uh, i don't know like present some sort of perfect ideal version of yourself for the clicks um, so it's probably a healthier space in that My- regard my, yeah, my my wife has been really good with that because like, I make stories and like I was like, oh, I just want to like go and show me skipping, and she was like, you did that last week. Why can't you just like film like the dirty kitchen or something? Because you know people want to know that you're just like human. You're not only skipping mm. every day. I was like, yeah, you're right. Because I was like unintentionally and unknowingly, I was like trying to present this image that I, all I do was skip every day and teach English. You're super healthy but, skipping yeah, English teacher. Yeah. But but really, you know, I wake up on. Monday morning, the kitchen's dirty. I like to have a McDonald's every now and then. So, yeah, and I was like, okay. Um, I think and I'm not really in a um, super good position to comment on this, but the best thing that I found, and I got this from my book, is don't compare yourself to anybody else. I I don't look at other people's English teaching pages because, like, imagine if I went on, like, oh, that person's got 1.3 million. Oh, what? Why, why haven't I got that? Yeah, or, even though you got one point two, you'd see someone who's got like more and might make you feel bad. It's like it's ridiculous, isn't it? Really. So mm. yeah, I know it's easier said than done, but I just don't compare myself to anybody else now, and that's yeah. that's something that came with age. If you would ask me ten years ago, I probably would I would have been like looking at other people. I I also wonder if we're ever getting to a if we'll ever get to a point where everybody knows Instagram paints a distorted image that we kind of just like I know that's not it now do you ever think we'll overcome that I'm trying, you mean that at this stage we are still uh, the kind of monkey brain is still amazed and surprised by this sort of magic box in our hand and we look at it like <laughs> oh uh, you know we, we assume that it's all real whereas you think that we're going to become through exposure we're going to become more sort of uh, critical in the way that we look at it and we're not going to sort of be easily fooled anymore. I don't know. Well, yeah. I, yeah. Do you just think, do you just think that people know that Instagram gives a distorted image now? So they're just like, okay, whatever. I'm yeah, maybe. Me. Yeah. Maybe at the yeah. beginning when all those things were new and real um, and people didn't quite have the filters, you know, the personal filters for that sort of content that maybe then people were a lot more subs- uh, susceptible um, to all of the effects of it. You know, it's sort of like the early stage. Who knows? I mean, you know, who knows? What will probably happen is that future generations will just totally accept the the the, the blending of um, this technology and normal life so that it won't even be an issue anymore. Instead, it'll just be it, like the Instagramization of everything will just be really normal. And um, 
I don't know, like with augmented reality and with uh, uh, AI assisted everything, you know, it's just going to be like reality will just be totally augmented by technology. And that's just going to be like the new normal. So I don't know. I, I'm sure that some people will suffer, um, you know, because that's the way it always goes when you get new things and change and social change. There's always some people who suffer as a result of it. Hopefully it won't be many people. Um, but yeah, we're probably going to evolve along with this technology and hopefully we'll be, we'll be less sensitive to it, but who knows? I, it's interesting you say that because somebody was telling me about, is it called chat GT, GPT or something? Chat GPT. Write, yeah. It can write essays for you. And I, and I was like, eventually the education system and universities and us as a, as a, as a, us as the human race are going to have to do something about that. Like you can't just hide from a software that can write full essays for you. Mm -hmm. um, so, so how do we deal with that? It's just a friend was telling me about the other day and I was like, how, what's going to happen with that? How do we deal with that? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The fact that kids can go off and just write an essay and, and do it. So, uh, and, and get a chat GPT to do it. Well, like, um, there's two things that spring to mind. The first thing is that maybe the, the universities or the academies or whatever will find new ways of assessing their their, their learners. So rather than mm -hmm. telling them to go off and write an essay, which is already, I feel a little bit sort of, maybe a little bit contrived and a bit old fashioned in a, as a form of assessment, who knows, but this, this might be the thing that stops that it might become a lot more oral based. And so there might be oral examinations or presentations or other types of projects that don't rely on that basic written format that can now be easily replicated or maybe, um, new software. And there's a whole industry behind this kind of thing new software will be developed and sold to the universities, which will allow them to detect whether the essay has been written using chat GPT three or four or whatever it will be that, you know, like as this technology improves, the other sort of peripheral technology also races to kind of catch up with it. I mean, there's already software you can use online or there was before November when chat GPT three was sort of officially launched to the public. And that's what got everyone talking about it. Before that happened, there were uh, bits of software that you could use to write essays. And universities had other software, like counter software, that would detect whether... And all their work, all the work gets 
put through this software to detect whether it's been whether it's been made by uh, AI. And ChatGPT is so sophisticated that it's undetectable with this software. So you know what will happen is that new software will come out that will be able to de- to detect ChatGPT, and that will be sold off and whatever. So there's those two things. And the third thing, what was it? What was the third thing? Oh yeah, that's it. That, that um, the other argument that I've I've seen quite a lot about this is that essentially ChatGPT is just a new tool, and we're just struggling to come to terms with it. In the same way that back in the old days when calculators first were created and everyone got them and suddenly we could all have calculators in the classroom everyone was saying this is going to just completely destroy the the, the teaching and of maths and no one's going to learn how to do maths anymore now that we've got these machines that do that do it for us and what happened is that we ended up sort of accepting the calculator as just a little handy tool that you work with and you we 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 sort of blend with that technology you know what i mean about the augmented reality thing i mentioned before that in a sense calculators are like that you've got this thing in your pocket and then in your phone that you can just quickly consult to do some complex math maths problems in the same way that we might go to chat gpt just as an in a very ordinary way and just ask it to do things as a little assistant and we take those things and we can adapt them i mean i'm already doing it so for my english lessons i will these days look at my the lessons i've got and then i might go to chat gpt and say if I've got some target language, like I've got 10 vocab items, I might say, make some example sentences using all this vocabulary. And then I'll say, um, now, you know, remove the, the the target words and replace them with numbers. And now randomize the list. And now make some fun conversation questions using that language. And now remove the words from the conversation questions. You know, and, I, and I'll just do all that stuff. And this is stuff that I used to do on my own. And I would be there going, all right, think of a funny, interesting example. Uh, And then it would take me bloody ages to write all these examples and then turn them into questions with gaps in them and all that stuff. Uh, And ChatGPT does that like so fast. It's one of the best ways for me to use it, I find, is that it's very good at producing sample language. So hmm, maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll learn to live with it. And maybe the education system will adapt around it, or maybe we'll find software solutions to counterbalance the impact that it's having. I don't know, but it's it's pretty fascinating. Just as a final point, Ella, I wonder whether the universities will basically come to sort of an arrangement with chat GBT, where like maybe you're given a code and it knows whether how, how much like so each student is assigned a code and they know how much you've used the software so it's a, it's okay to use it for a little bit but not to write the whole so i feel like universities will have to just speak to chat gpt and take them on board and some sort of relationship yeah. is formed there maybe yeah. yeah 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 or maybe even there'll be a new academic sort of ai chat bot that is used that that's either developed by specific universities or is sold to all the universities and then they use that in-house kind of thing yeah Yeah. but i mean there's no way i feel like there's no way of getting away from all this kind of ai stuff the frightening thing is when it you know it develops exponentially exponentially and it can it can like develop its own intelligence and write its own code eventually and then it'll suddenly take off and become self-aware you know, there's that Terminator kind of thing. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it's it's a fairly realistic uh, problem that AI could become dangerous. 
And what I what I heard, I watched a video about it. What I heard was, um, so imagine this scenario. Imagine you say to, to some AI, it doesn't have to be chat GPT, it can just be some other like powerful AI system. You say to it, okay, I want you to remove all the plastic from the oceans. Let's like, you know, save the planet. Let's uh, remove all the plastic from the oceans. And it goes, but okay. And it finds a way to do it and it does it, but it re it achieves its goal. But the problem is like the way it achieves that goal. And if you say remove all the plastic from the oceans and then it does it, but it also removes all the fish, <laughs> you know, yeah. it just kills everything and removes everything. Um, so that could be a problem that you ask it to do one thing and uh, you also have to take into account all the other possible things it could do to achieve that goal. And so you've got to program in all these other sort of directives so that in solving world poverty, it doesn't just murder everyone, you know. <laughs> 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 um, you know, there you go. Like It's like, you know, I've got a headache. Uh, help me get rid of my headache. I've got the answer. Just chop off your head. You don't have a headache anymore. Um, so all sorts of interesting things around around that. It's fascinating. Um, okay, so let's move to music then at the end of this conversation. You mentioned before that you worked in the music industry. I didn't know you worked in the industry itself, but um, you also played, uh, have played, maybe still play uh, in in bands, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I played, I was in my first band when I was like 15. And I, I, I remember like our first ever concert and I remember running from my house to the high school with the guitar in my hand because I was so excited. Uh, and that was good. I remember our first little concert. And then so I was in that band for a few years. Um, what was the, What was that band called, may, if uh, I may ask? Yeah, sure. It's called Broken Boneless. So Broken Boneless? Yeah, exactly. What kind of, what kind of music was it? Punk. Mm -hmm. Punk. But not like old school punk. I don't know. Something... 2000s-ish. I don't know how you say it. Just punk. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the first gig we played, we just did covers like Red or Cheap, Peppers, Californication, Teenage Kicks, The Undertones, mm -hmm. um, Blink-182, Damn It, I think. Um, so, yeah, I was in that band. Luckily, because on the Isle of Wight, we, we used to have two music festivals. So the summer would be started by the Isle of Wight Festival and the summer would be closed by the festival. So the summer period was sandwiched in between these two festivals and um, the Isle of Wight festival let local bands play on like a smaller stage. So that was quite cool to do that a few times. My friend's band actually won a competition to open the main stage on the Saturday. Whoa. That was really cool. Yeah, Whoa, they cool. played that. And I think they played the best of all. So yeah, I did that. And then when I was at uni, I was in another band, which was like folk indie punk. We toured around a lot. I got to see a lot of Europe there. Oh, really? Yeah, that was really good. Just um, We were part of a scene where like, it's got loads of underground promoters. So people who don't know, promoter is a person who organizes a gig. Um, and uh, so, yeah, there was just a massive scene. And we could go around. I went to see like lots of places around Europe. That was good. Played in America once. That was really cool. Wow. So were you professional? <clears throat> We were breaking even. We Signed? Were breaking even. Uh, yeah, but on a licensing deal to a, a label called Extra Mile. They've got like Frank Turner. You know Frank Turner? That's no. A, a, like indie folk punk guy. 
really okay. cool. I haven't listened to them in years. Yeah, so they're a really nice independent London-based label. Uh, they're really friendly. They did, I think they've just done their 20-year anniversary at the Apollo in Hammersmith. Oh, wow. So, you know, to do it at a big venue like that, it shows that they've come quite a way. Mm. Um, so that was cool. It was just a licensing deal. So they basically l- just promoted one album. A licensing yeah. deal? So what, did they, yeah. did they, they helped you record the album? No, we did that, but they helped with the promotion and the radio plugging and things like that. So okay. they they were really helpful, and I, I don't even I can't remember what the deal was, but it was it was good. It wasn't like we were being ripped off or anything. It was like it very felt like you were part of a family and a community. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Um, yeah, and I did that, and then we we broke up. And then I moved to London after that. I think why we did, did it you, for about what, seven years. Why did you break up? Uh, it just got, uh, just, uh, I guess it just changed really. Like I, my music taste changed. Uh, we did it for seven years. It just felt like, um, yeah, I was just needed something different basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but um, we, we had a, Sorry, gone. I was going to say no major like personal drama no, between the no, members no, of the group. No, no big drama. It's funny because in your email you mentioned Spinal Tap. Yeah, and, I was going to uh, ask you about the film Spinal Tap, which I did a an episode about last year or the year before with my brother. We just talked about the phenomenon of Spinal Tap, and as a musician, you will know everything that in, that that involves, right? If I say Spinal Tap, one of my questions was, have you ever? Did you ever have a Spinal Tap moment in the band? Is that what you were about to talk about? It, it was. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. If I remember correctly, they there's an ongoing joke about their drummers dying. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. They they keep going through drummers, and uh, yeah. there's a drummer who dies in a bizarre gardening accident. Yeah. Uh, another drummer chokes on 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 vomit, but they're they're pretty sure it's not his own vomit. Um, another one just <laughs> explodes. He spontaneously combusts on stage, and is just left with. The, the all that's left is like a little green globule on his drum stool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, all the drummers keep dying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What well, did you? We had yeah. we had six drummers. <laughs> six drummers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> none of them, none of them died. Uh, luckily, good. Um, but yeah, we it, over the course of the seven years, we had six drummers. So we were we had a lot of member changes. Um, so the drummers were the main one that changed, uh, and then like. <laughs> I think at the end of it, it was just two of us left. And that was like, oh, okay, it's time to finish now. <laughs> There's like, literally yeah. just two of us left. <laughs> yeah. like, I guess we can't do four instruments. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Uh, yes. Okay. It happens to all bands in the end. There's, they always kind of devolve into that kind of spinal tap um, kind of thing. Well, um, Andy, it's nice to talk to you. Yeah, thank you. I've really enjoyed this. It's been uh, been excellent. I mean, I could talk for a lot longer, but I know we've got stuff to do, but I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Totally different to the usual Instagram. Uh, what's this? It's a it, it, it's a bottle of orange juice kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say you can invite me onto your Instagram to 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 do the same thing. <laughs> what's this? <laughs> it's uh, it's a it's a, it's a, it's a tape measure. Um, you know, it's like, "All right, nice one. Great collaboration." <laughs> I did do a video about tools, actually. Oh, good. Yeah, like good, good. drill. How yeah. do people find your stuff on the internet? 
Mm, at English with Cook. So Cook is with an E. Uh, so yeah, just at English with Cook on YouTube. This year, I will be focusing more on YouTube. I'm going to start some like longer content. So like 10 minute stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, TikTok and Instagram as well. Yeah. Well, um, have a lovely day. Yeah. Thank All right, mate. You. And m- maybe somewhere in the future we can work together again. I really enjoyed it. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. All right, I'll keep in touch. All the best. Thanks for your time. Cheers, Andy. Bye for now. See you later, Liz. Okay, so that was Andy Cook. Thank you again to Andy. It was nice to meet him and have a bit of a chat. Again, you can find him on Instagram at English with Cook, with an E at the end of Cook. And that's where you can see his amusing and helpful short video clips with bits of vocabulary and grammar. You can also find him on YouTube and TikTok as well. English with Cook, with an E on the end. Okay? Now, I tell you what, listeners, you are spoiled when it comes to English learning content. Don't you think? How many online English teachers and content creators are there out there in the world? on the internet. So many. There's just millions. Everyone. It seems like everyone who's qualified as an English teacher is now online just, you know, offering you free English learning resources. Everyone is dying to teach you English, basically. How nice. It's not like that for every language, you know. And it didn't used to be like that as well. There was a time when you just couldn't find any decent learning English content out there. Anyway, it's it's a good time to be learning English, I think. Okay, so that's basically the end of the episode. You can consider the episode to be more or less finished now. I haven't played the ending jingle, but let's say the episode is finished. So, you know, that's it. It's done now. But hang out with me for a while. Why don't you hang out with me for a little while now at the end? Now, I'm actually recording this um, later than I recorded the rest of the episode. To be honest, everything's a bit mixed up at the moment, as you probably know because I talked about being in a time loop and recording lots of episodes in advance and then coming back to recordings I've made to add introductions and ending ramble bits and other stuff. So the the conversation with Andy was actually recorded, I think, in March, like the beginning of March. And then I did the introduction on the same day. And then I, I, I recorded some of the ending part that you've just heard um, in maybe April. And here I am again, adding a bit more, um, in June now it's, it's Friday, the 9th of June, uh, as I record this. And, um, well, yeah, I just, I thought maybe it'd be nice to hang out for a little bit. Um, and, um, yeah, maybe play guitar. I just feel like, I feel like singing. So maybe join me now. Some, I actually got a few comments recently, after probably after I played a bit of Wonderwall at the end of the episode with Alistair Budge, because we talked about playing Wonderwall on the uh, bagpipes, and then I just thought, oh, okay, I'm going to have to play Wonderwall now on the guitar, and I played that, and I got a couple of comments, not not an overwhelming number, but I got a couple of comments from people saying, oh, it was nice to hear you singing on the podcast again, um, and you know, I'd I'd missed that actually, Luke. Why don't you sing? and play the guitar again like you used to. And yeah, actually, I hadn't, I guess I had, I mean, before I sang Wonderwall, um, it had been nearly a year, I guess, since I played the guitar. And the reasons for that are, first of all, I think I just kind of got out of the habit of doing it. And secondly, I didn't, I don't really have the right guitar in this 
in my pod room. So I've got several acoustic guitars, right? It's, um, you know, it's, I don't know. I just love guitars. I'm not like the greatest guitar player ever or anything like that at all. In fact, I'm sort of an intermediate player, really. And I've got, you can see in the background of, of my videos, there's an electric guitar on the wall, which is a lovely guitar. Not a super sort of expensive rare edition or anything. It's just a standard sort of uh, Mexican-made uh, Fender electric guitar. The the sort of cheaper uh, range of those guitars. But it's a nice one. It looks nice and it's lovely to play. Although I'm not, you know, I'm not an outstanding lead guitarist. I try to basically hold my own, as it, as we say. I try to hold my own just playing the acoustic guitar, playing chords and trying to sing songs. Um, so yeah, I mean, out there you're learning languages. I'm obviously trying to work on my French, but also I'm a learner of the guitar too. Um, but yeah, I got out of the habit. I've got a couple of acoustic guitars, but the one that I actually find easiest to play is the one that is in our apartment. So that one's at home. And then here in the pod room, I've got, I've got a Spanish style or classical style guitar. And the thing with these ones is that they're a little bit harder to play. I find them harder to play because the the neck is wider. There's more space between the strings, and it's it feels like every single um, every single bum note that you play um, can be heard. I, I realise I'm not selling myself very well here, but you know it doesn't matter. Um, that's all right. So anyway, I just feel in the mood to perhaps play some songs again because I haven't done that for a while. And playing music is actually quite soothing. Um, and, you know, when things get, as as they do in in our lives, when things get a bit sort of stressful or a bit too mu much or a bit sort of uh, overwhelming for whatever reason, you know, there are many possible reasons for that, um, it can be quite therapeutic to try to play songs. Sometimes it's frustrating because you just try and do it and you're like, ah, no, ah, no, it's not working today. But then other times, it's just a nice thing to turn to. And um, particularly, I've, like just these last few days, I've been playing songs by George Harrison. I find them to be quite sort of, what's the word for it? Not therapeutic. I don't know if that's the right word. They're just quite, the, the tone of them is nice. I find them to be quite comforting, I suppose. So I'm going to try and do a couple of George Harrison songs on this Spanish style, classical style uh, guitar I've got here. Uh, you know, it's one of those ones with nylon strings. It's a Cordoba. It's a Cordoba C5. It's quite a nice one. So let's give it a shot. Okay, I'm going to try and play a couple of songs from the All Things Must Pass out. All Things Must Pass album. Okay, all right. This one is this one is the first track on the album. It's called I'd Have You Anytime, and it's the one that opens the album. By the way, the All Things Must Pass. All past? Why am I saying that? All Things Must Pass is a great album and it's one of the best solo Beatle albums. Um, George was the one who, when the Beatles split up, he kind of, it was very liberating for him, actually, because he was suddenly able to publish all these songs that he'd built up that, for whatever reason, the other Beatles weren't that interested in because they had their own songs that they wanted to record and suddenly with George blossoming as a guitar uh, as, as a songwriter suddenly there were all these other songs and 
it was just too difficult to fit them all into the albums, whatever. Maybe they should have. But in the end, George kept them for himself and he published them on, on in his own album. So, all right, this one's called I'll, I'll Have You Any Time. show you let me roll it to you all I have is yours all you see is mine and I'm glad to hold you in my arms I'll have you any time say it let me play it let me lay it on you let me know you let me show you let me grow upon you all I have is yours see is mine and I'm glad to hold you in my arms I'll have you any time let me in here I know I've been here let me into your heart That ending was unexpected. I played a wrong chord. That that bit wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> but it ended up sounding quite nice, didn't it? All right. Um, what else have we got here in this album? There's obviously My Sweet Lord, which is the one that probably everyone knows. I think I should probably play it down here. But it's a, it's a fiendishly difficult song to play. Because, oh, there are some difficult bar chords. Your fingers start hurting. And, um, yeah, it's it's quite... Some of the changes are kind of complicated. And you've got to play it quite hard. And, yeah, it's tough work on the fingers. But it's a... It's a great one. Everyone knows this, don't they? It's in um, one of the Guardians of the Galaxy films. I think the second one. Lord, my Lord, 
my sweet Lord I really want to see you I really want to be with you I really want to see you Lord But it takes so long my Lord My Lord My sweet Lord My Lord I really want to know you I really want to go with you I really want to show you Lord But it won't take long my Lord My sweet Lord My Lord I didn't do it justice. Too many wrong notes and bum chords, but um, what a lovely song it is. Um, let's try this. Wah wah. <laughs> Right, so I've got another acoustic guitar here. I talked about the one I've got at home and the one, the Spanish one that I've just been attempting to play. But in an, in an, in an effort to get the right guitar in my office, I bought, a, I bought myself another one. And this one that I've got now is a, it's a kind of travel guitar. So it's the, the neck is shorter. The reason I bought that is because obviously I don't have a lot of space in this room. And so I need a guitar that's kind of shorter, so I'm not constantly whacking it against the wall or whacking it against the microphone. Also, travel guitars, because they're smaller, tend to be a bit cheaper, you know, a bit more affordable. Not that I'm a cheap bastard or anything, but, you know, I'm not made of money. It's like money doesn't grow on trees, as they say. So I have to be try. I have to try and be sort of a bit frugal. And if I'm buying all these guitars, I can't, I can't buy like the most expensive models. You understand. Um, so this one is a, a, it's made by Taylor, which is a really good brand of guitar. Yeah. Taylor, Paul Taylor. No, not made by Paul Taylor, but it is a Taylor. They didn't make, I couldn't find any guitars called Thompson. So I had to buy a Taylor instead. That was the next best option, but they make really good guitars. And this one is, uh, a Taylor GS Mini, and it's the mahogany version. It's a lovely guitar. If it's in tune, okay, here we go. I've got to tune it up now. Let's try that. I'll probably edit the tuning part out. So it should be in tune now. So the thing about the uh, this this shorter neck, though, is that of course the frets are also smaller, shorter. And I've got fairly big hands. And so this also is not ideal for me. I just it's struggle. I struggle to find exactly the right guitar. It's a lovely guitar. I'm definitely going to keep it. But it's also tricky, especially if I use a capo, which, um, you know, allows you to play further up the neck. And up there, the frets are actually really small and my big clumsy fingers sort of struggle a little bit. Uh, again, I'm really selling myself here, aren't I, as a guitarist? But it doesn't matter. It's all right. It's all good. So this one's called Wah Wah. And I think George wrote this when he was a bit pissed off with uh, Paul McCartney <laughs> um, during the Get Back sessions or at around that time. And I think the Wah Wah thing is a headache. So I think that Paul really annoyed George one day 
and he gave him a headache. I don't know if there was a moment where Paul gave George his wah-wah pedal. Like, there you go, George, you know, there's your wah, there's, a, there's my, play this. You know, like, Paul was disrespecting George by bossing him around or something. Um, I don't know what was going on, but um, George was a bit annoyed and he went home and wrote this and it's a good one. The original recording of it is much bigger with a huge band playing it and a big horn section and everything. It's, it's incredible. The full wall of the Phil Spector wall of sound in full effect. But um, obviously I can't replicate that, but I'll go through the chords. Giving me a wah-wah And I'm thinking of you And all the things that we used to do Wah-wah such a big star Being there at the right time Cheaper than a dime Wawa You've given me your wawa Oh, you don't see me crying Oh, you don't hear me sighing Sweet life can be if I keep myself free. Wawa, I don't need no wawa. Oh, you don't see me crying 
baby, you don't hear me sighing. No, 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 no. Wah, wah. I don't need no wah, wah. And I know how sweet life can be if I keep myself free. Wah wah, I don't need no wah wah. go back to the other one now it's boiling hot in Paris today absolutely sweltering it is baking Dave it is baking mate <laughs> see the floor I'd be sad and blue if not for you if not for you the night would see me wide awake the day would surely have to break it would not be new if not for you not for you my sky would fall, rain would gather too without your love I'd be nowhere at all I'd be lost if not for you if not for you the winter would hold no spring couldn't hear a robin sing I just wouldn't have a clue If not for you If not for you my sky would fall Rain would gather too Without your love I'd be nowhere at all I'd be lost if not for you If not for you The winter would hold no spring Couldn't hear a robin sing I just wouldn't have a clue not for you If not for you
this this next one I think he wrote I think he wrote this for Bob Dylan Bob Dylan was I don't know what was what was up he had maybe it was the time when he'd had a motorcycle accident and he kind of retreated from the world kind of went into hiding it's hard to tell what was going on with him just sort of disappeared and I think George wrote this in order to encourage him to come back and sing again and stuff Take them from you The love you are blessed with This world's waiting for So let out your hearts Please, please From behind that locked door Start smiling What else should we do With only this short time I'm gonna be here with you And the tales you have taught me From the things that you saw me want out your heart please please from behind that locked door From behind that locked door From behind that locked door Right, one more. One more. To, uh, back to the Paul Taylor special. <laughs> um, so this one's called Beware of Darkness. And yeah, it does what it says on the tin. It's a song about how sometimes you need to beware of darkness.
watch out now Take care, beware of falling swingers Dropping all around you The pain that often mingles in your fingertips Beware of darkness Watch out now, take care, beware of thoughts that linger Winding up inside your head The hopelessness around you In the dead of night Beware of sadness It can hit you It can hurt you you sore and what is more that is not what you are here for watch out now take care beware of soft shoe shufflers dancing down the sidewalks As each unconscious sufferer wanders aimlessly Beware of Maya Watch out now, take care, beware of greedy leaders They take you where you should not go While weeping at the cedars They just want to grow and grow Beware of darkness Beware of darkness And on that note, I think it's time to end. Uh, thanks for hanging out. It was fun. Um, lovely songs, aren't they? Yeah, good stuff. Okay, well, I'll speak to you again in the next episode. Thank you for listening all the way through to the end. Thanks for sticking with me, folks. Uh, I'll be back with more podcasting stuff for you in the near future. Um, now, this afternoon, I'm going to work on some premium content. Yeah. Got to keep on pumping out the content. All right, then. So I'll speak to you next time. But for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.